We're going to continue on talking. I did kind of like a three-part uh, little lesson. This is going to be the third part. But I heard something in one of these songs. We sing, in the blessing, in the pain, through it all you never fail me. We sing, you are, my, you are the strength of my heart. You are the strength of my heart. I can rely on you. I can rely on you. If you got the text yesterday, one of the things that was mentioned is that we declare those words in action. We declare those words in action. The actions of our life speak loud what we sing here on Sunday. Father, I rely on you, so I do X. You are the strength of my heart, so I do this and I go after this. In the blessing, in the pain, it does not matter because I have you. And I, kind of, I, I thought, okay, we've got to start here because everything we're about to go over this morning, that is kind of the theme of it, is that there's action that speaks loud to God and declares to God and the world who you rely on, who you trust, who is your strength, regardless of circumstance and all else. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Hebrews 12. Uh, we're, we, of course, in our overarching theme, Eric and I have been talking about uh, the kingdom of God. And there's a lot to talk about here. So I don't know how much longer we're going to go on. I talked to Eric, how long are we going to do this? I don't know. We, we go on forever on this. So um, I guess we're just going to keep, we're going to keep rolling with it for a bit. But so far, this is going to be my third in kingdom of God. Uh, and I began each one with this verse. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. If you want more context to that, read the whole chapter, Hebrews 12. But I'm just kind of referencing it here. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Acceptable worship with reverence and awe. We've received a kingdom. All the stuff we're going to talk about in kingdom of God I, I think about this verse. Be grateful. Be grateful. This is a reason to worship. It may rub us wrong. It may be counter to the way we're currently living our lives. It may go against all conventional wisdom, but be grateful, for this is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And for this, we worship with proper posture, with proper reverence. I say that in a way for my... I've been saying that to myself as... I've been challenged about the kingdom of God, saying, this is how I need to respond to this. This is how I need to respond to this. Have any of you guys ever, any of you guys ever know you're going to get good or bad no news before you've gotten it? Like you knew exactly what was going to be said, and you kind of gave yourself a prep talk beforehand. You're like, okay, my initial response, if I was coming to it blind, would be this. But this is how I'm going to respond to it. I'm telling myself, this is how I'm going to respond. That's kind of how I view kingdom of God stuff a lot. This is good. It's good for us. This is true. It's unshakable. It's worth worshiping over. But in terms of the kingdom, the call and the instruction given to us can be summed up in Luke 12. Luke 12, 31 and 32. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. 
So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. See, as followers of Jesus, we are called to put the kingdom of God at the forefront of our lives. It's the very first. Before everything else, it's kingdom of God. In front of all other pursuits. This means that I, that I, I, I adopt God's value system as mine. I, I adopt kingdom mindset as my own mindset. Supporting and upholding kingdom principles in the way we live. Not just agreeing with them. Not just nodding and saying amen when we know we're supposed to say amen. Amen? amen. But making his ways my ways in the most complete sense. This means to put the kingdom of God first means to pursue his purposes above mine, not just having an association with them, not just saying, well, I tithe, not just saying, well, I show up on Sunday, not just saying, oh, I like that good work, but we are all in. We're living in a manner worthy of the kingdom. Our lives are directed and in line with God's purposes and goals way above our own. And this means to submit to his authority. My life is his. I've died to self and now live in submission to his rule. This is kingdom first. But the question that we've been answering is this. How do I seek first the kingdom? We understand this command to seek first. But what does that look like? What steps can I take to ensure that I am seeking first the kingdom. And we've kind of gone over some of these. Seeking first the kingdom, we talked about this, has to do with our thinking. It has to do with our thinking. The Lord is calling us to renewed thinking. It's only through renewed thinking that we are able to participate in kingdom work. And then it has to do with our focus. Our focus is in, is on the things of God, on His kingdom. And today we're going to talk about our actions. You can have proper thinking, and you can have proper focus, but if it doesn't result in action, we're missing the point. In fact, you could actually argue that if you think you have proper thinking and focus, but it doesn't result in action, you probably don't have proper thinking and focus. I think you, could, I think you can make those jumps. I'm, trying, I'm looking around for <laughs> some heads to kind of agree with me on that one. Amen. Thank you. Hey, I'm just going gonna, gonna to warn you guys, if you liked the last two messages that I gave on this, thinking and focus, then you're, you're almost obligated to like this one. <laughs> and, I mean that, and I mean that to say this is the follow-through. This is the follow-through of it all. In fact, this is, pro this is the point of seeking first the kingdom. Proper thinking and kingdom focus enable us to seek first the kingdom in action. Action is the point and purpose of the command, that we would move and align ourselves in real effort, seek first the kingdom of God. Saying you have correct thinking and focus, but not, act, but not acting and, and ha not having kingdom action is like a mechanic coming up to you and saying, hey, I got news about your car. They see it works perfect. It ice cold. 
The, the tire's perfectly inflated. Those seats, they're so cushy. They're all, it's, it's just everything runs great. And, you're, and, and they hand you the car, and you're like, but the car doesn't work. It doesn't run. The engine's shot. The mechanic comes up to you and says, but, but didn't you hear what I just said about the other things? It's like you're missing the point. I really don't care about the other things if the main thing doesn't actually work and function. Is this making sense? Action is the point. Action is the point. When he says, seek first the kingdom, yes, we need proper thinking and we need focus, but those two are, are what allow us to act in proper fashion. As Christians, we operate as we should when correct thinking and focus leads to action. Jesus' desire, Jesus desires that his followers seek first the kingdom in action. Not just thought, not just agreement, but in a life lived out. This is his desire for your life. That in action you would seek first the kingdom. This is what it looks like to seek first. Right after, you know, we read the, uh, Luke 12, 31 and 32, but verse 33 reads like this. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This whole section of Luke 12, he's specifically addressing how to handle money and all that, how we view that. But look what he, right after he says that, verse 33, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven will never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe, and no thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Directly following the call to seek first the kingdom of God, there is further clarification about what he means. It's about action. It's about action. Not that we would in words or thought put first the kingdom, but in action seek first the kingdom. I think God can look down at us, and of course, he knows all, so just bear with me on this. He can look down at us and tell who's seeking based on action. Thinking and focus are vital because they're needed for action. But if action doesn't take place, we aren't fully grasping the kingdom. Are we all following? We got this? Okay. It's a little more solemn this morning, a little, a little more toned down. I want to remind you guys that I, when I speak, I tend to just blaze right on through. I know where the goalpost is, and I'm heading there. If you want to ask questions or you got a comment, just pop that hand up, and I'll, and I'll freeze, okay? So we're, we're about this kind of freeze. We're about this kind of, like, inter interaction here. When I tell other pastors that around here, they get kind of like, whoa, that's... That's a little different. That's a little weird. You mean anyone can just stop what you're saying and ask a question and you can go on a tangent? Yeah, we love tangents. Tangents are great. Yeah. Welcome to the salt mine. But ultimately, the Christian life is a life of action. The Christian life is a life of action. Look at 1 Thessalonians uh, 2.12. Thessalonians 2.12 says, we pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you. He's talking in kind of this past tense thing because he's talking about, hey, when we were there last, this is what we did. Okay, remember what we did for you? 
we urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. There is a calling on your life to share in the kingdom and his glory. But with that call is a call to action. To in every area of your life, live out your call. As followers of Jesus, our lives should be defined by humble repentance that leads to action. A life fully lived for the kingdom about the, and about the kingdom and fueled by the kingdom. I think that we can get trapped and go with me through this whole thought. We can get trapped in thinking at repentance, I, I, I'm good there. And what I mean by that is at, at repentance, I can do anything I want now. I have this freedom, I got my ticket in, I'm good. But we're urged to go further. We're urged to now live worthy of that call. Let me, let me, but let me clarify. You are indeed saved by grace. Your eternity is sealed. Okay, I'm not addressing any of that. There now for you is a life of freedom, free from condemnation, free from the burdens of this world, free from fear and worry. Even death has no sting. You're free from those things. At repentance, at accepting Christ, at the indwelling of the Spirit in your life, these things hold true. You don't need to worry about those, okay? But you are not free from action. We are not free from action, not free from a life lived out reflecting the kingdom. We are called to pursue His purposes in all we do. This is the calling on our life. Look at Galatians 5.13. kind of helps us understand that we still need to make the conscious decision to seek first the kingdom. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, but instead use your freedom to serve one another in love. You have freedom, but now it's up to you to decide how you're going to use that freedom. With this freedom, am I going to pursue the purposes of God in my life? With this freedom, am I going to seek first God and His kingdom? Or, with this freedom, am I going to continue to indulge in my selfishness? Am I, continue, am I going to continue to allow the question, what do I want to be the primary guide in my life? How many of you guys know people like that? Who the question, the, the question what do I want in my life is their primary guide? We all know people like that, right? At one point, I was a person like that. And still in my life, that question still pops up and tries to take dominance. But the question of what I want in my life, when I seek first the kingdom, it takes a back seat. Actually, it takes like 27th row seat way back there. Because there's way more priorities that God has for me. Ensure your freedom is being used to seek first the kingdom. I, I go to, I think in probably like half of my sermons, I always go to the parable of the ten minus in Luke 19. I just love this parable. I'm just going to summarize it today. But in this parable, Jesus is explaining to his disciples what the kingdom of God is going to be like so they kind of have a, a proper gauge and expectation. And the king, he says, okay, it's like a king who comes... 
and he gathers his servants, and he gives them money, and he says, now go and engage in my work. Go and engage in my work, and I'm going to leave for a time. And the king comes back, and he gathers his servants, and he expects work to have been done. In the parable, the good servants are the people that participate in the king's business, who are about the kingdom, who act in accordance with proper kingdom thinking and focus. But the evil servant is the one who doesn't act in line with the kingdom or the king's will or the king's business. He actually does nothing in line with the kingdom. He does act. Remember, he goes and buries what he has. And he gives this, you know, kind of weird excuse for, for why he did that. He does act, and his actions are in hopes that it will it'll pass the test. In hopes that the action he took would be enough, even though it was counter to the king's business. And only the actions in line with seeking first the kingdom are considered kingdom work. When the king returns, he calls out the evil servant. He says, no, you're an evil servant because I called you as my own, but you did not live up worthy to the call. You did not seek first the kingdom in action. The king returns having expected kingdom work, and the evil servant gets called out as such. If our actions don't display a life that is about the kingdom, then we'll get called out as well when the king returns. I kind of always, I, I kind of always want to live, a, live with an eye toward the end, toward when I stand before the Father. And I don't know how it's going to look. I don't know if a movie of my life is going to be played. I sure hope not. I sure hope I can just say, hey, you already know the whole thing. I know the whole thing. Let's, you know, let's just get to the end of this. I don't know how it's going to play out. But I do know this. I do know that as a citizen of the kingdom, there is kingdom work that is expected. There is an expectation that I would put the kingdom first in action lived out. This is another black and white scenario that happens in the kingdom. We're all acting. We're all doing stuff. We're all, we're all living lives. We're all pursuing purposes. We're all seeking something first. And it's either the kingdom or something else. There, there's, no, there's nothing else. There, there's no other answer. It's not the kingdom and. It's the kingdom or. It's black and white. You're either acting in a way that is in pursuit of the kingdom or you're acting in a way that is in pursuit of something else. It could be one of a number of things. But no matter what it is, it's counter to the kingdom. Seeking first the kingdom is a call to action. It's an invitation to participate in what's eternal, lasting, unshakable, but also to enjoy the generosity and security of our Heavenly Father. It's an invitation in. That's why I, I, I kind of started with this. You are the strength of my, my heart. I can rely on you. Because when we do that, what actually happens is, well, now we're provided for by the King, by the greatest power in all of existence, and directly from his kingdom, from the king's storerooms. Amen? Yeah. 
I'd much rather rely on his account than my bank account, right? That's a much better place to get, <laughs> get my funding from, to get my provision from. In every area of our lives, we should stop and ask ourselves, am I acting in a kingdom first way? We're going to read this Luke 12, 31 to 34 in its entirety, so it's not broken up. Um, we're going to read it in its entirety real quick. So seek first the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. It gives him great happiness to unlock the storerooms of heaven for you. Because he knows your needs better than you know your needs. And he's willing to say, hey, from my own kingdom, I'm going to provide for you. That's, that's amazing. That's like... I feel like I should be getting more noise on that one, okay? Yeah. In every area of our lives, we should stop and ask ourselves, am I acting in kingdom first way? Oh, I didn't even finish that first, sorry. Sell your possessions, give to those in need. There's the follow-up. Hey, here's the action. This will store up treasure for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven never get old and never develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So we must ask ourselves, am I acting as a citizen of the kingdom who trusts God as my provider? Or am I acting to satisfy my own worries, my own doubts, my own fears, my own insecurities? Am I acting in a way that satisfies the pleasures of my flesh or the desires that are counter to the kingdom? Are the actions in my life in line with the call to seek first the kingdom of God? This is the question we should always be asking ourselves, all of us. And we can use this question to evaluate past actions and prepare for current and future actions. For example, I can say, I went through this situation or that situation, and did I put the kingdom first there? Okay. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. Now I know for the future. Or we can ask ourselves, I'm about to go into this situation. How do I put first the kingdom? How do I put first the kingdom in this situation or that situation? Today, how do I put first the kingdom? Tomorrow, how do I put first the kingdom? All of us are facing life being thrown at us. I don't know every situation in the room, but I know you're facing something. And the question that'll help guide you through that something is, Am I, how do I seek first the kingdom in this situation? Because there's a way in every situation of your life to seek first the kingdom. Kingdom first is the standard by which all our actions should be compared, all of them. Actions that communicate, I believe in Jesus and I'm led by the Spirit. It's guaranteed, though, to look opposite the world. That's a guarantee. It's just going to look opposite the world and conventional wisdom. It may be to give. It may be to forgive. It may be to wait. It may be to sacrifice and serve. It may be to sweat. It may be to rest. But it will always be kingdom first. It'll always be to love, it'll always be for His glory, and it'll always be counter to the reflexes of this world. Every time. 
But there is a kingdom first action that you are to take in whatever you're facing. In whatever you're facing. Am I seeking first the kingdom? This question is such an important one because it's to those that seek first the kingdom that the kingdom is given. It's to those that seek first the kingdom that the kingdom is given. To those that seek first the kingdom, the Father gladly, with eagerness, gives the blessing that is his kingdom. Remember, it says, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. There is a direct correlation between living my life in a way in renewed thinking, with clear focus that results in clear in, in kingdom first action, there's a direct correlation with how I live my life and the provision of the Father and the blessings of the kingdom. Do we see that? There's a correlation there. Seek first the kingdom of God and he will provide you all you need. Now, I'm not, trying, I'm not up in here trying to speak... Uh, some sort of prosperity gospel. Like your, your bank account's going to get, you know, 10 zeros added to it or something when you seek first the kingdom. That's not the definition of need, okay? That's, that's the de definition of greed and hoarding and whatnot, okay? What I am saying is the Father who knows what your, your needs are, beyond just the seen and felt needs, He understands your need for purpose, He understands your need for peace and joy, he understands your need for clarity and focus. He understands that there's a cloud over your thinking that needs to be cleared. He understands that you need to eat tomorrow and that you need to wear clean clothes. He understands all of this, and he wants to give it to you. What I'm saying is there's a correlation between what is available to you in the kingdom and you seeking the kingdom. Does that help clear that up a little bit? I hope so. When the actions of my life aren't in line with the call to seek first the kingdom of God, I cut myself off from the kingdom and all its blessings. Look at Galatians 5, 19-21. says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, and we all know this sinful nature can't seek first the kingdom, right? There is no kingdom work done when we... When we yield to our sinful nature. The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and others like these. I like that he says other like these. Like this isn't an exhaustive list, okay? So just because you didn't hear yours on this list, you don't get out free. Paper was very expensive back then, okay? He didn't have a ton of it. Or parchment or whatever they use. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Actions that aren't in line with the kingdom first result in missing the kingdom. And result in missing the blessing of the kingdom. Don't just pay attention to those big sins we all know. 
the sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, okay? They'll just pay attention. Look, there's some, there's some what we would consider little ones, hostility. Oh, he's just a little hostile. Quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy. Where these things exist, kingdom first does not. Where these things exist, kingdom first does not. I'm finding myself thinking and making sure this is a bold statement. <laughs> I've got to make sure what I'm saying is lining up. These are the results of a life not lived with a kingdom first mentality. We must be aware of this because all of us have desires of our sinful nature begging us to give in to them, right? All of us run into this all the time. Our sinful nature wants to take hold. Our sinful nature, your flesh wants you to yield. But I guarantee, and I guarantee that every day we run into opportunities to follow our sinful desires. Just about every day there is an opportunity that's going to pop up in your life. You don't even have to ask for it. It's going to show itself, right? But every time that occurs, it's also an opportunity to seek first the kingdom, kill the flesh, and bring ourselves into submission with the king in action. So I encourage you to do as Paul, uh, Paul told the Thessalonians to do in that verse that we uh, went through a bit ago. Make your life's actions about the kingdom. Commit your life, your work, all you own, all you think, to the kingdom. Give it to the kingdom and put the kingdom first. Let every action speak loud, your renewed thinking, your laser focus on the kingdom, and your commitment to seeking first the kingdom. I have about... Man. I put down a lot more than I thought I did. And I don't, I don't like to pull those hour sermons. So I'm going to blast through these. I have, four, I have four points, okay? So just follow along, follow along with me. You can keep asking questions, but this is kind of my cue, like, hey, I'm wanting to speed this up. So I want to know, how, how do I check my actions for sure? How do I know my actions for sure are lining up with the kingdom? Number one, a spirit-led life is a kingdom-first life. A kingdom-first life is a spirit-led life. So we must live by the Spirit. The Spirit will all the, always lead us to seek first the kingdom, whereas our flesh will always oppose the kingdom. Look at Galatians uh, 5.17. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of the sinful nature's desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Listen to this. Kingdom first living is spirit-filled, spirit-led living, and it's in opposition to the ways of the flesh and the world. So much so that your good intentions do not pass the test. If you try to do this without the Spirit and with good intentions, it will not pass the test. Only living by the Spirit. We can come up with all sorts of logic and reasoning for why we do what we do, but if it's not Spirit-led, 
It's not kingdom first. And it falls short. It's equivalent to the evil servant who went and buried what the king gave him to go and do his business. Anything short of spirit-led living will result in action that doesn't put first the kingdom. When Jesus says to us, hey, come and follow me, I want you just for a moment to think back on those moments in your life and that one key moment where you said yes. When Jesus said to us, hey, come and follow me, he's saying, come, die to your flesh, leave it all behind, and now put me, my ways, my desires, my spirit, my kingdom first above it all. Hold back nothing. Hold on to nothing. Galatians 5, 24, 25 says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. This act of following Jesus is intentional. It's not casual. And it interrupts every area of our life. That's number one. Number two. When we seek first the kingdom of action, we put the kingdom of God on display. When we seek first the kingdom, we put the kingdom of God on display. Not me on display, not some other thing on display, not my achievements on display, but the kingdom of God on display. When we aren't seeking first the kingdom, we put other things on display. Look at, uh, look at Matthew 5, 14 and 16. You are a light... You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. When we seek first the kingdom, in action, we're giving glory to God. We're saying, look how magnificent my God is. Look how great and grand the kingdom is. We're putting it on display. We carry the kingdom and our actions either share it or hide it. And on a daily basis, we have an opportunity to be people that expose people to the atmosphere of the kingdom. And I want to explain it like this. I imagine, you know, when they go to space, what do they take with them? They take Earth's atmosphere with them, right? Because they need it to survive. They take it on with them and it goes everywhere they go. Everywhere a human is, so is the atmosphere of this earth. Everywhere an alive human is, the atmosphere of this earth is. Everywhere a citizen of God is, so is the atmosphere of the kingdom. And that atmosphere is life-giving. That atmosphere is here to be present in a desolate, dark, dead world. And it's in your actions, when they seek first the kingdom, that we put on display the kingdom, but we expose everyone to that same life-giving atmosphere. Does this make sense? Is that making sense? I hope it makes sense. I want it to make sense. <laughs> As Christians, we carry with us the life-giving atmosphere of the kingdom. It's our job to share that atmosphere of the kingdom with others. This happens through our actions. 
This happens through our kingdom-first living, which puts on display the kingdom like a city on a hill. Listen, as spirit-filled followers of Christ, we carry the kingdom. We carry light in darkness. We carry life in dead space. We carry hope when there is none. You want to know how to expose the world to the amazing life found in Jesus? It's through our kingdom-first living. It's through our kingdom-first living. You put the kingdom first, the world is exposed to the kingdom. Number three, when we seek first the kingdom in action, you don't fit in. You will not fit in. When you seek first the kingdom in action, you will not fit in. And that's actually kind of the point. Look at John 15, 19. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer a part of this world. I, choose, I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. We aren't supposed to fit in. We've been called out of it. We can't pull people from the world if we're in the world. Does this make sense? We can't pull people from the world if we're in the world. So those who seek first the kingdom live as citizens of the kingdom, not of this world, and don't fit in. But it's because we live outside the world that we have such great impact on darkness and hopelessness that has saturated this world. To me, the most obvious example comes at the very beginning of all this COVID pandemic stuff. 2020, March, April time, everything shuts down. But what happened here at the salt mine? Did everything we could to make sure that the needs in this community were being met. And we didn't fit in. Because all around us, food closet after food closet, shut down. And we became one of the only food closets for a good 15 mile radius. Maybe further, I'm just, it's a little conservative. That was, that was the only one open. We didn't fit in. And it actually became obvious to other people because the food bank, when we approached them and we said, hey, how are we tackling this? And they said, the first thing they said is said, we want to thank you guys because everyone else is shut down. And it spoke loud who we were, kingdom first people, right? We did not fit in. We just didn't fit in. But that's us in all our areas of life, right? That's just a bold example. That's a bold example. But all, any number of us have these stories or should have these stories of I don't fit in in this area of my life because I'm seeking first the kingdom. And it's worth it. And it's worth it. When you seek first the kingdom in action, you won't fit in. You aren't supposed to. Because it's only the kingdom, which is not of this world, that brings the message of the good news, the freedom, and the life and life abounding to this world. And this is my last point. When we seek first the kingdom in action, we unlock the secret of contentment. When we, unlo when we seek first the kingdom in action, we unlock the secret of contentment. I was afraid last week as I was, as I was out here that Eric was going to touch on this because he talked about the secrets of the kingdom and all of this stuff. And he had a lot of points. And I was like, did you put this one? No, he didn't put that one in there. 
So I'm going to touch on it real quick. A life seeking the kingdom results in satisfaction because we're connected to the one who satisfies. Jesus says exactly this when he's talking to the Samaritan woman at the well, and you can read this in John 4, saying that anyone who drinks of the water that he provides, living water, will be satisfied and never thirst. Everything else leaves you thirsty. It leaves you wanting, and it leaves you unsatisfied. And Paul explains this in Philippians when he's talking to them about their, their desire to help him out, but they weren't able to. Philippians 4, 10, 13, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live with almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty stomach, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul has learned the secret of contentment. And the secret of contentment comes from kingdom living where Christ is our strength and God is our provider. It doesn't come from more possessions. It doesn't come from more achievements. It doesn't come from more recognition. It doesn't come from beauty or anything else. And, and to the students, because I love talking to the students, students, you are, sat, you are just being bombarded every day. The world telling you, you are not satisfied because you don't have X or Y or Z. But God is saying you aren't satisfied because you don't have me. Or, if you want satisfaction, stop seeking all these other things. Seek me. You have access to what satisfies, so take advantage of it, right? Take advantage of it. My wife knows this, and I'm, I'm just saying this jokingly. I'm... I'm, I tend to be a very discontent person because I'll open up a full fridge and be like, I don't want any of this. Why don't you want any of this? I'm bored of all of this. It's like, and I'm, I'm saying this jokingly, right? I'll, I'll eat when I'm hungry and stuff. But there's clearly stuff in the fridge that will satisfy my, my current physical hunger. And I'm just like, ah, I don't want it. And sometimes I think we can do that with God a little bit. He's our provider. He has everything we need. Everything you need is found in Him. But we become discontent with Him sometimes. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? To become discontent with God? But this is actually a trick of the world. The world is trying to convince you that God, He's not enough. He's not enough. You need more. You need something else. You need God plus. No, God is enough. The secret of contentment is unlocked when we, seek first him, when we seek first Him as our provider and say, Lord, You are all I need. Contentment comes when we take seriously Jesus' words about seeking the kingdom first and God providing us everything we need. Contentment comes when we take Him seriously, and this means to follow through with action. Taking him seriously doesn't mean to, oh yeah, you know when you're talking to someone, you don't quite agree with what they're saying, but you don't really want to get in a confrontation, so you just kind of nod thoughtfully, like, yeah, I'm really considering what you're saying. I feel like we do that to God a lot. Oh yeah, I really, you know, that's a good point you got there. I got to go. <laughs> it's taking him seriously 
to the point that we're going to act on what he says. Seek first the kingdom in action. I know how to live with much or little because my strength, my security, my self-worth, my mood, my joy doesn't come from anywhere else but Jesus. And I have him regardless of circumstance. So I'm content. If I have Jesus, I have it all. I want that to be the motto of our lives. If I have Jesus, I have it all. As long as I'm connected to the kingdom, I have it all. I don't need anything else. Sure, it's nice to have other things, but they're luxuries that don't really add to the satisfaction of my life. You understand that? Yeah, if you have a nice house, you have a nice car, they're luxuries that do not add to the satisfaction of your life. You have a nice phone, all this whatever it is, everything in your life, they're nice luxuries. They don't add to the satisfaction of your life. That's a good word. That's a good word. When we seek first the kingdom, we are saying, God, you are all I need. You are my provider. You are enough. I trust you. My faith is in you. My hope is in you. This is a declaration to God of our love and trust in him as our good father, as our provider, as our strength, as our healer, as fill in the blank. Continue it on. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, here's what Alfonso's saying, Alfonso's saying this, that if there's any conviction in your heart by the Holy Spirit right now, remember that conviction is God reaching down and saying, I see you down there in that mud, you don't belong there, come on up here. I'm calling you up to the level which you're called to. Whereas shame keeps you down in that muck. Says, oh, you're in the muck. You must be a dirty, mucky, rotten person. That's where you belong. But conviction is just the opposite. I see you in the muck. You don't belong there. I can clean you of all of that. I can free you from all of that. I feel like there are undue burdens that many of us are living with because we just yet haven't responded to God saying, I want to clean you. I want to make you whole again. I want to pull you up out of that situation. Come. Come with me. Let's hit those main lights because I don't want any of you escaping before we worship together. <laughs> God is calling us to be a people who seek first the kingdom through renewed thinking, a keen focus resulting in action that puts first the kingdom. Let's be people about the kingdom and for the kingdom. Remember the words in James. But don't, listen, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. A lot of us see that second half, seek first the kingdom and God will provide you all you need. We see that second half, God will provide you all you need. 
James saying, hey, if you're not connected to the kingdom, why are you expecting kingdom provision? You've disconnected yourself from it. In action, in doing the word, connect yourself to the kingdom. We're not called to be a people of belief. We are called to be a people of belief that leads to action. Not belief that leads to apathy, but belief that leads to obedience. So we're going to read these last two verses, and then we're going to worship together. Therefore, let us be grateful receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Linda, the last time I spoke, brought this up. Our God is a consuming fire. You need to remember, at the end of our life, you stand before one God. And he judges it all. He is worthy to judge. He's a consuming fire. Stand before him with proper reverence and awe. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness. It gives him joy. He does it with eagerness to give you the kingdom. This is our father. And we're going to worship him. Amen? Let's worship. Father, we thank you. We thank you for directing your kingdom, your goodness, your life at us. We ask, Lord, that yes, with renewed thinking, yes, with focus on your kingdom, but we pray, Father, that we be people of kingdom first action. Show us, Father, the areas in our life that require action. As we face what life is throwing at us, show us how to act in a kingdom-first way. Father, we want to be connected to the blessing of your kingdom and declare you as all we need, as enough, as our provider. We thank you, Father. We worship you this morning. Amen.